As we get started on this, you know, we're in the series on courageous living. And our, our scripture that's foundational for this entire series comes out of 1 Corinthians, and it's 16, 13. And it simply says this, be strong, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, or be alert. And then it says, be strong. Let me say that right. Be alert, stand firm in the faith. And I always say that's stand firm in your faith. My faith isn't going to get you there, okay? But your faith, stand firm in that. Be courageous and be strong. Well, it's no surprise that it's Mother's Day. I think we know these things. And it's only appropriate to focus on courageous mothers. I want to do something as we get started to honor the mothers that are here with us. So we're going to do it a little bit different. You ready? If you're a mother, stay seated. If you're not a mother, would you join me in standing and giving them an ovation and thanking you? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. What a blessing. And I hope for our mothers that are here and all of our family that that's the beginning and you understand. Now, let me just start with this too so that just very real and very honest as we start. I know it's a very special day for the mothers, and I know like Christy and Caleb were here, and Asher was born a couple of months ago, her first Mother's Day, and I know it's a joyous one. But I also know this. I know today is tough for a lot of ladies. I know that there's been losses. I know in some cases they've seen their own kids walk away. I know that we have ladies that would, the cry of their heart is to have a baby. And for whatever reason, God has not done that with them yet. There's so many different things. We have ladies that would love to be married because their dream is to, to be a wife and a mother. I know that's not easy, but here's what I also know. As I speak about courageous mothers, I also want you to hear that you're courageous. It would have been so easy for so many that if you've had pain in any of those areas, it would have been so easy to say, I'm not going to Mother's Day. I don't want to hear another Mother's Day message. It doesn't fit for me right now, whether you're online or you're here. But I want you to know how much God loves you. I want you to know God's still right there with you. I want you to know God loves you deeply. And the cry of his heart is for you. I want you all to know that, every lady in here, because I think it's important that we do that. And you know what's crazy about this is you see how far we've gotten off as a culture sometimes that we've got many, many companies across the United States right now that have quit celebrating Mother's Day or, get this, and the list is huge. When I saw the first one, I thought, no, that can't be true. That's one isolated company or whatever. No, no, no. The list is huge that send out emails prior to any Mother's Day announcements and said, if you are uncomfortable with our Mother's Day messages, you can opt out here of anything to do with Mother's Day. That's what's happening in our nation. And I, and I say that because for me, it's just clearly one more attack that we have on mothers. And in some cases that, you know, when we don't want to talk about the fact that it can be painful,
but there is still a God in heaven that created you, that loves you deeply. And I think he's got some of the pictures of you on his refrigerator, and he stomps around heaven proud, and he brags about you. I want you to know that. Our message today is courageous motherhood. And as I say that, I also want to tell you, and I had some great conversations after the first service, none to my surprise in a sense, that in addition to biological mothers here, we've got spiritual mothers here that are filling that role for so many others. Sometimes it's with our summit kids, and others it's kids in the neighborhoods and just some that God's brought you. And that God is using you mightily as a courageous mother, both biologically and spiritually. Here's the big idea. Courageous mothers have often fought harder and prayed more courageously for the souls of their children than anyone else on earth. Hey, guys, I don't want to take a thing away from us, nor do I want to give you an out saying, well, now that I've said that, Chuck says I don't have to pray because my wife is praying or the mother is. Oh, no, no, no. Why don't we try play, trying to play catch up a little bit on this process? You know what I'm saying? But the fact still remains straight across. I look at my own family that that courageous mothering, the fighting for the soul and the, the praying for my mother, my wife, and the fact of the matter is, is that's what God has created very special in mothers. You know, we look at the history of it, it's kind of interesting because you would think somewhere in Genesis where God said, and God created man and then said it wasn't good for him to be alone, you know, like he wasn't going to make it by himself. You know what I mean? You think, you, you ever get that picture in your mind that God says, here's, here's Adam. Whoa, I did a good thing here. And then it was a few days later, he goes, this guy's not going to make it by himself. It, it ain't going to happen. I got to get some help on here. You know what I mean? So then he, you know, the rib and all of that creates from dirt and says, okay. And of course, when Adam saw her, you know, and they were both naked. And he goes, whoa, man, you know, and all of that. But knew it wasn't going to make it, you know, in that process. So you would think right after those scriptures, there would be one that said, and God said there would be a Mother's Day. Well, I happened to look at this, and I didn't find it in there. So, you know, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking God said that should be every day. And that you can go ahead and celebrate one day in the United States, but that should be every day that it's Mother's Day and treated like such. You got that? But the history on this, get this, it starts off back in the 1800s. It was mother's work groups. That was the origin. And I know there's some of you ladies sitting here going, you got to be kidding me. That is every day of the year. Mother's work groups. But after the Civil War, it was the mothers that came together and it became mother's peace groups. Because I think the heart of the mother said, we're tired of seeing our sons go off and fight other mother's sons. And it was the mothers that crossed the lines between the gray and the blue and said, let's get together and let's build a foundation of peace. And it was mother's peace groups. Then in the early 1900s, and it was a, it was a lady by the name of Anna Jarvis, and as her mother had passed away, she wanted to honor her. So she began developing this idea and lobbying for this idea of a Mother's Day. By 1912, it started to pick up in communities and cities across the nation. Nothing official, it just was this groundswell. And by 1914, what happened is President Woodrow Wilson signed the proclamation making the second Sunday of May. Mother's Day. 
every year. You know what's ironical about that in a sense is Anna Jarvis wanted so much to honor her mother, so she was the, the real driving force by this Mother's Day. Do you know after they had had it for several years, she got really disenchanted? See, that's another one of those delicate words that they taught me at the Army Rangers and Special Forces, disenchanted. And it was because it got so commercialized. And so she said, let's get rid of it. It's not what the intent was. Why don't we just do what we intended here in the process? Well, of course, we, we still have Mother's Day, and rightfully so. And so, you know, as I read all of the history of it, though, the companies that don't celebrate, you know, the fact that even the creator, you know, the, the person that, that was used on that was very disenchanted with all of that. It just reminds me, again, of the attacks on motherhood. And I know men, we like to sit around and talk about, you know, all of the, the attacks on manhood and so forth, and they're real, get it? But let's not lose sight of the fact that there is a horrendous Satan-driven attack on what true motherhood is from God's perspective and what that means. And boy, I think Satan is just rolling out everything he can. And I think the fact that mothers, true mothers, as God states in His Word, I think it scares Satan. I, I, I really do, and rightfully so. And I want to start, and I want to just give you some things that I, I think scare Satan. The very first thing is this whole issue of the miracle of motherhood. I mean, you think about that. You know, several people have written, and they, they say it is life's greatest miracle. This, this thought that God could conceive a child inside the body of a woman, the reproduction there, and many label and just say it's life's greatest miracle. There is nothing else that really competes with that and can compete with that. And I think to see what God does with His daughters and His sons that God did from the beginning, and God continues to do that, I think it scares Satan. And I think we should be scary to Satan, you know what I mean? But here's the other one. And the other thing that I think scares Satan about women walking in their fullness as biological mothers and spiritual mothers within the context of our culture and our church family, and I think that has to do with the one who comforts. Boy, that's a mother. Now, get this. You know, we hear an awful lot that God tells us, you know, in terms of the, the, the fatherhood, right? And that, you know, God our Father and so forth. But listen to this scripture out of Isaiah. And listen to the comparison that God makes for Himself as He compares. And here's what He says in Isaiah 66, 13. As a mother comforts her son. Just think about that. As a mother comforts her son, right? Some people say, Chuck, how'd, how'd you guys raise your family? I said, I beat the kids and my wife comforted them and told them they were fine. You know, we just have a balance in there. But that as a mother comforts her son, now get this, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. Now just leave that up for a second. I want to show, just look at this thing and see what it says. As a mother, now, who is comparing themselves to a mother? God is, isn't he? God is comparing himself. And you go, well, I didn't see that. God's always the father, isn't he? 
but the attributes because He created us in their image, both male and female, right? So in their image, He draws from this characteristic that He puts into the mother to comfort, and He says, and that's how I am. That's the characteristic that is in me to comfort. And He says, so as a mother comforts her son, so I'm going to comfort you, just like a mother would do. Do you ever think that God's looking down and said, I'm going to... I'm going to be a mother and comfort you in this moment. You go, oh, no, no. He's strong. He's a warrior. This, No, that's not what God's saying. He's got all of these attributes, these characteristics. And he says, so that's how I'm going to comfort you, just like a mother would comfort you, right? And you will be comforted, right? That's it. You will be. Not if you do the right things and this and that and, you know, don't miss a devotion. or Oh, no, no, no. God's a God of the promise that he keeps his promise. And he says, and so you will be comforted. So that's the second thing. It's the miracle of motherhood. But then in that, when he creates that miracle, it's that lifetime of influence that God has. And then we look at the third thing, the lifetime of influence, right? And here's what he tells us in Proverbs 6, 20 and 22. And he says this, my son, keep your father's command and don't, do not reject your mother's teaching. Do you get the difference in those two? You know, and it was certainly easy for me in reading that. I served in the military and, uh, you know, on a couple of occasions, and it was very, very rare, as I'm sure you can appreciate. Army, ranger, everything. I walk into the house, and you bring that command from the office, and you bring it to your house. <laughs> and my wife would tell me to go back out and leave the command outside in the car, and then you can come in the house. But, you know, that command... The Father's command, but don't reject your mother's teaching. But now here's what he says to do with the teaching. Always bind them to your heart. Connect mama's teachings to your heart. And when you walk here and there, they will guide you. And when you lie down, they will watch over you. He says, and when you wake up, oh, they'll talk to you. Do you get the power in those statements that God gives us there? And I love that because he says, when you take the teachings, and he, I specify over here on this Mother's Day and this courageous mother's you're teaching, that, that process that we see. And I've, you know, I said in the first service, but it dawned on me, you know, so many things you watch somebody do and they said, did they teach you this? Well, how'd you learn it? I just saw them doing it and I did it. Mom, I watched her do this and cooking or this, and this is how she did things. He says, now what you do is you attach that to your heart and you, you, you wear that around your neck. But then he says, when you do that, and I love this, when you walk here and there, but get the difference in the verbiage here, it's not they will go with you. That's what I would have written, I think. But that's not what God says. He says they'll guide you. You know, that's a lot different, isn't it? That if you're walking with somebody and they said, okay, come on, let's go, I'll walk with you. Then the person that you know, that knows where to go and says, come on, go with me, I'll guide you. Two different contexts, isn't it? And that's what God says about mama's teachings, that they'll go with you when you go here and you go there and what you do, and that as you walk, mama's teaching, God will use the Holy Spirit to guide you. And then he continues and he finishes on with that, and he says, look, and when you wake up, oh, yeah, she'll, she'll start talking to you, believe me, okay? So that part of it. But then, you know, he goes on in, in Proverbs in chapter 1, though, in verse 8 and 9, he says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, I command, and here again, he says, and do not, don't reject your mother's teachings, 
And then again, he says, they will be a garland of favor on your head and pendants around your neck. Earlier this week, and I had seen it before, but I watched an interview with the former coach at Duke University, Mike Krzyzewski. I followed his career a little bit. He went to West Point, came out of high school, raised in a strong Christian family, goes to West Point, stars there, and then graduates. He actually spent five years in the Army as a captain. But then he was a graduate assistant there, did that. And then he gets hired as a very, very young guy at Duke University, and he's had a pretty successful season there. Now, he was asked in this interview, with all of the people you met, all of the relationships, what's the most important advice you've been given? You know, I would have expected a man with all of those years of experience to ponder for a moment and go into deep thought. You know what I mean? Because there's so much of it. He didn't hesitate. He looked right at the individual and he says, it was my mother's advice when I was 14. What? Now, let me give you perspective age-wise. If you're 23, you may still remember your mother's advice at 14. Mike Krzyzewski's old, really old. You know how I know he's old? He's 10 months older than I am. We were born in the same year. I didn't realize people lived that long. But what it does mean, too, because he and I are the same age, we're in our prime, and don't hesitate to believe that one, let me tell you, okay? Grace, don't laugh at that. You know it's true, honey. Stay with me, all right? Laugh with me, not at me, Grace. Okay, Ray, take charge there, please, okay? But the bottom line is, 14 years old, and what did his mother tell him at 14? He's this, we could say, snot-nosed young guy getting ready to go into high school. He said, knows everything. And the first thing his mother does is looks at him and says, okay, don't forget to get on the right bus. He literally said, he said, I told mom, I know what bus to get on, mom, seriously? She says, oh, I'm not talking about that. She said, in life, don't forget to get on the right bus. She went on to elaborate and said, you got to get on the bus that's taking you where you want to go. But then she also defined this. It's not just a bus, because you can get on multiple buses that'll take you to the one place. She says, get on the right bus with the right people that are going to go with you and encourage you and build you up. I, I love that interview, and I, you know, Billy says, I repeat things a lot. You'll probably hear that again because, you know, it dawned on me in reading that, you know that's what we want to be at Summit Church for you. Now, if there's someplace else that God calls you to go to, believe me, I understand. And we want to pray and we want to encourage you. I prayed with a guy today that'll probably be going to a different church because his fiance is in that church and he needs to be next to her. And I said, I would do that, the unity with her. You know, the building you're sitting in has a lot less to do, you know, with God's plan than the person you're sitting next to. No, that's true, don't you? I said, but that's where we want to be at Summit Church. And I want you to know that as your pastor. We're working hard to be that kind of bus that's going to encourage you for the very best that God has for you. We want to pray with you. We want to help train you. We want to equip you and everything that goes with that. But it goes back to what I, I listened to with Mike Krzyzewski here. Get on the right bus that's going to take you to the right place with the people you want to travel with that are going to encourage you and build you up. Now, I say that because... We talk about a mother's influence. 
That was a guy 62 years ago. His mother told him that. 62 years later, somebody said, what's your best advice? And he went back to a lifetime of influence that his mother had on him with a simple statement, make sure you get on the right bus. The next thing is that our mothers, our spiritual mothers, biologically, these prayer warriors, I've heard it told over and over again of the great men and women that are filled with stories about praying mothers. I could share so many different stories. I'll tell you one of somebody I've known many, many, many years. Two o'clock in the morning, she was woke up, I mean wide awake, to pray for her daughter. She got up, she got her Bible, and she began praying. She continued to pray, stayed awake. Mid-morning, the police called. Said, first, your daughter's at the hospital, but she's alive and she's doing fine. She'd been attacked, beaten, her arm broken. She had managed to run away and hide and got into a closet till someone could be alerted and got the police and got them there. They got her there, got her to the hospital. Her mother is still praying with her Bible open. Asked the police officer on the phone, when did this happen? He said, well, this morning. She said, no. I mean, do you know what time this attack took place? And the police officer says, you know, it's funny. He says, I think she said 2 a.m. And it was the time that God woke up a praying warrior, said, pray for your daughter. Pray for your daughter. And in that instance, she was attacked, beaten, arm broken. And in the midst of those prayers of one of God's warriors, prayed her into a closet. Young lady is uh, doing extremely well now. And God has taken care of her, let me tell you. You know, I, uh, I've heard it said, and one of the great quotes is there are a few things more powerful than the faithful prayers of a righteous mother. I think many of us here today, online, boy, I think we can attest to that, can't we? There are a few things more powerful, very few things more powerful than the faithful prayers of a righteous woman. And it's right and good that we should honor our mothers for that. You know, in Exodus, we're told that to honor our father and mother so that you may have long life in the land the Lord your God has given you. You know, God also tells us, and you know, at, at Summit Church, one of the things that's important to us is, is it's really easy to pull one scripture here and there to support whatever position we feel like, you know, is right for us. You know what I mean, whether that's political or whatever. But here's one of the things. When God tells us something in the Old Testament, and He tells us something in the New Testament, and He keeps repeating this, you know, it's one of those where we ought to listen to that kind of a thing, don't you think? Good friend Gene Getz, and Gene, um, he, he wrote a, a commentary to go with one of the Bibles, and it's Life Essentials. And one of the things Gene said was, Chuck, he said, 
It's got to be in the Old Testament. It's got to be in the New Testament. It's got to appear three times in the Bible before you would say, okay, this is a life essential. When God tells us something three times, both Old Testament and New Testament, sounds like it's pretty important. So we know what he said in Exodus. And then what happens is, is in Ephesians, God comes back and he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. I want to pause there for just a second because it struck me in reading this. And here's the fun part. I read this over and over again. I love Ephesians and kind of it. But it wasn't until this morning I'm reading this, and the wordage there was, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then it hit me. The idea that he's not just talking to our biological structure here. You know, we had Kathy Buck, many of you may know her and that, was here visiting from California. And she was early childhood development with so many of these kids. And we start naming off kids and things like that in that. And those were all children in the Lord to her, not biological. But God is saying the children in the Lord that he's given you are just as important, aren't they? Because he said, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. You know, there's no long sentence after that. He just says, because it's right. That's what we're supposed to do. And he said, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, right? And then he says, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Isn't that a neat thing? He goes, it's kind of like a dad talking to his son. He's going, okay, now listen, if you don't do this, things are not going to go well for you. I'm sure none of us have ever heard that, well, except for me. Because the other is true, too. If you do what you're told, things will go better for you. And God says, look, you do what you're told here, things will go well for you. And that's what God's telling us in that Scripture there, right? And so when we look at that and we look at those, God's pretty significant on this. Now, as I come to this part here and I finish, I want to, I want to share some things. And it's important because on this Mother's Day, as we talked about over here, you know, we also have this issue where perhaps there's mothers sitting here, mothers watching or some, and it would break my heart that said, it's just too painful to go to church today on Mother's Day, I'll skip or whatever. But this idea of prodigals, you understand? And it comes, of course, from the prodigal son and returning back and that. Some time ago, I had a conversation with a couple here at church, and I'd gotten a book back in the early 90s. It was actually, it's written by Ruth Graham Ruth Bell Graham, Billy Graham's wife. It's entitled Prodigals and Those Who Love Them. And my original one I got probably in 1991 or 92, and I'm sure I gave it to somebody. But when I recommended it, I said, I better get another one for me where they're completely out of print. <laughs> so the one I got from me, little paperback here, I opened it up and there's an inscription on the inside that this person wrote. They wrote this, by the way, June 10th, 1991. And I read this, first thing I read out of the book again. But listen to what this person writes and says. To you who I've shared this book, this book has helped me with my prodigal, and my prayer is that it would be of comfort to you as you travel down this difficult road. I will be praying for you, and I hope this book will be a blessing to you as it was to me. And then they write here, please return it when you are finished. 
so I can pass it on again to someone else who is at a hurting place in their life. 1991. I opened it up, and one of my favorite stories out of here, and this really goes back, moms, you have no idea of the influence that you have. Ladies in here, as we're working with Summit Kids or just any contact, the influence that you have. And we talk about, you know, I'm not sure they're really listening. I'm not sure they're really getting it. In the chapter, it says she had only six more years to live, although she didn't know it. She wasn't strong. As soon as her sturdy sea captain husband disappeared from sight, she called her small son to her side. Together they studied. Though fragile in body, the mother was strong in spirit. I'm deliberately omitting the name of the son, I'll tell you in a minute. Like Hannah with a little Samuel, she taught thoroughly, grounding him in scriptures. She taught him to love them. They memorized portions together. She taught him hymns and catechisms. He responded eagerly. It goes on that by the time he was six years old, he was reading Virgil in Latin. And then later in his life, he would make this statement. My mother stored my memory, which then was very retentive with very many valuable pieces and chapters, portions of scriptures, catechisms, hymns, and poems. When the Lord at length opened my eyes, I found great benefit in the recollection of them. A story is written about John Newton. John Newton, his mother poured into him, became a slave trader. I mean, the story that you read about John Newton, and then little by little, God brought him back, wrote the song Amazing Grace. He wrote it about himself. He and another guy, they had a weekly Bible study, and they would each write a new song every other week. So every week, they wrote, and so one week, he wrote a song for himself, Amazing Grace, John Newton. His mother never lived to see this. And I said, you know, sometimes the wear and tear, you know, that, would, that we put on our mothers. My mom asked me one time on my birthday, how old are you? And I said, I'm a lot older than you think. And she says, well, why is that? And I said, because until I came to know the Lord and surrendered my life, I lived dog years. I got seven to one credit. My mom laughed for a little bit, and she said, you have no idea. I got seven to one credit for a lot of your years. That's true, unfortunately. But the fact of the matter is, is that the influence that the mother has on the lives, sometimes they get to see it, sometimes they don't. I shared a couple of stories in the first service because they're very close to my heart here at Wood Bend Grace Community Church, and one of them was a young man raised in the church, said, never really developed a faith, but he had fun here. He could remember the fun, I mean, uh, but lived a pretty tough life as far away from God as he could get. He uh, ended up married, divorced, so forth, so much to the story, and then God brought him home. And you know, when God first started bringing this guy home, was at the celebration of life for his father in this sanctuary. 
I'd love at some point you'd hear his testimony, but God hit his wife first, and they would, as soon as she got to church, she would start bawling. And he said, you're an embarrassment to me. If you're going to do that in church, I'm not going with you. And then he was yelling at her. And they'd get in the car, and she'd just be sobbing from this. And he said, that's it. I'm not going next week. You embarrassed me in church, and we're not going to act like that. And then got a hold of him, and God just slapped him silly. I'm in a Bible study every Wednesday with him. About right now, he's in church with his mother. He's on the board. He's been on mission trips. All of the things he's done is not near as important as who he is. And on his arm is a tattoo of the scripture of the prodigal son. And in the secular world that he works, he makes sure everybody sees that and the Bible on his desk. He doesn't need to tell them. They just ask him. And he's sharing the gospel. His dad didn't get to see that. He and I have sat on several occasions, and he's looked and he says, you know, you're the closest thing I have to a dad seeing me the way God is working on me. My dad never got to see that in me. But God, his father, is seeing that. But that was Grace Community Church. That was here. You know, there's another story that I, I love. That story was back when Jim Ladd, who, by the way, will be back with us in June. At the point he was still the associate pastor here, Paul Tedesco was just resigning. Jim had started a Sunday school class, small group. It was up where the Dream Team meets on the second floor. It was on the family blessing. And there were some folks in there, and when Jim became the senior pastor, he said, Chuck, would you continue this and finish this class? I said, sure. One of the ladies there and her husband attended and was using a book called Ralph Garbor by Ralph Garbor called The Family Blessing. And they said God had so moved her, she began to call her son and daughter every day and pray a blessing for him. And one morning she forgot to do that or was busy. And about mid-morning, her son called her and said, Mom, are you okay? What happened? She said, nothing, and she went through, and he said, Mom, you didn't call me this morning. How am I supposed to get through my day? And Carrie Martin prayed a blessing over Josh Martin. We don't know where things are going to go from that kind of stuff, do we? Oh, but we do, because today, the matriarch, Carol, sits right there with that husband of yours, right there, sitting next, is their son Lucky with Carrie. Now sitting here is the third generation, Josh and Meg in a covenant marriage relationship. And on every other Sunday, seated next to them, you're gonna see the fourth generation. I don't know what it was that God used. I know the prayers of the blessing of a righteous woman to pray over her son. I don't know all of the details in between, but I do know this. Today, Josh and Meg sit here because of godly parents who came from godly parents and are raising two godly sons. People say, Chuck, how are you doing at Summit Church? I say, again, I don't know how to answer that. Here's what I know, though. 
We got some amazing people, generations of people, spiritual children, our own, and there's still some hurting, isn't there? There's still some hurting, isn't there? And there's answers that I don't have of why some things haven't happened, why some things have been prolonged, why some things did happen. I can't answer those, but here's what I can answer. We serve an amazing God. And his word says, there's nothing you can do to make him love you more. And there's nothing you'll ever do to make him love you less. We have a loving God that looks down on all of his children and courageous mothers today. And he's celebrating with us. I really believe that he's celebrating. But I know this, God holds each one of you in the palm of his hands and desires the very best for you as his own son and daughter. And as your pastor here at Summit Church, I want you to know that. And I want you to know how grateful we are that you are with us today as part of this Summit family. I want you to know we're a better family because you are here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you, Lord. So much to celebrate, so much that we just have to address head on. So many things, Father, but we know this to be true. Oh, Father, you comfort us as a mother comforts her sons. May we never forget that that you bless us and your heart is for us. And so, Father, I thank you right now and I pray blessings. Specifically this morning on this Mother's Day, I speak your blessings, Father, on our mothers, biological and spiritual mothers that are here, watching online. May they feel your blessing and your presence and your arms wrapped around them. And we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's family said, Amen. Amen.